0: Welcome to the Fix Your Sciatica Podcast, where we meet with experts and clients and discuss how to manage your sciatica and low back pain without the use of medications or surgery. I'm your host, Dr. Ashley Mack, and I'm a physical therapist as well as the founder of ifixyoursciatica.com, a go-to resource for pain management. Hello, everyone. Thank you so much for tuning in. Today, I have a very special guest who's helped me over the past couple of months take care of my issues. Uh, she's an acupuncturist and brilliant human being, and she's helped myself and my wife for the past couple of months. And we're really thankful to have her on this podcast. So, Rachel, thank you so much for being on today's podcast.
1: Thanks so much for having me, Ashley. I can't wait for the conversation.
0: Yeah, absolutely. And so um, I I started seeing you as a client, probably at the beginning of this year of 2021. And it ultimately led by my wife, who's been seeing you for the past couple months. And the reason why I'm a huge fan of acupuncture and, and what you're doing is because I have seen firsthand the benefits of what acupuncture does from a general health perspective, but then also in the overall well-being of a human. And I wanted to take today's opportunity to share your experiences, share your expertise, and talk about this method of medicine and how it can help people uh, across the world, but particularly with sciatica. So Rachel, if you wouldn't mind, can you tell the audience a little bit more about yourself and what you do and what your expertise is?
1: Yeah, thanks so much, Ashley. And I so appreciate your confidence and the confidence of, of all patients, and really, you know, anyone that's reaching out thinking about acupuncture as a modality. You know, a lot of times in our Western mindset, that's, that's a leap, right, in terms of something that's new and a lot of us haven't been exposed to. So it's always um, an honor to talk a little bit more in our Western. Um, semantic about how this medicine works and can be applied um, across a whole spectrum of supports. So, um, yeah, my name is Rachel Schaefer. I am a, a licensed acupuncturist and herbalist. Um, I also specialize in functional nutrition and functional medicine. Um, and I've been working in this capacity for almost 20 years um and i specialize in um women's health and hormones um however i see women and men um towards their objective of um you know ultimate well-being and vitality so um my my real interest is in helping patients reside in their internal and inner healer Um, Because I really see in clinical practice that I feel like the core piece of my work um, is listening deeply together with a patient to their underlying systems and the way their body's telling us what it needs through either pain signals or other symptom and helping to be real detectives together as to how to get them back in touch with that inner well-being and I think that acupuncture can be a really profound tool in that regard and we can talk a little bit more about why.
0: Awesome that's really cool I didn't know about the functional medicine aspect and functional medicine I see a lot I've seen a lot recently and I think one of the big challenges is not really quite having a clear understanding in regards to like what functional medicine is and how it can help people. Yes.
1: Yeah, functional medicine um, is really the study of physiology in the body. And how um, using various cues, whether it's lab testing, um, there is such a spectrum now of lab testing, from genetic testing, from functional digestive assessment, from urinary metabolites of hormones and um, and you know organic acids. There, there are so many tools, and really, what these tools are looking at is each of our unique footprint metabolically physiologically and how optimizing the function of um, the way that our system operates across these systems can really put us into our most vital health functional medicine doesn't wait for disease states to arise in order for there to be targets for treatment and care and so to me you know preventative medicine is really the, should be the standard of medicine. In, in Chinese medicine, historically, there is a proverb that um, talks about how, you know, the Chinese medical doctor is only paid as long as their patient is well. And when the patient becomes unwell, the patient continues to come and the clinician will not be paid until the patient is, resumes good health. And I think in some ways it's, it's an illustration of this concept of functional medicine and preventative medicine, which suggests that there are always ways in the dynamic human body we reside in to look closely at the person and optimize for the areas where we may have Achilles heels or we may have growth that's required to really be in our most vital body. And functional medicine has provided so much lab testing and tools and really quantitative analysis of ways of helping the body get into its most vital um, configuration so that we avoid disease states. We don't simply respond when the body is diseased or unwell or in pain. We understand best how to get the body in retaining that well-being, and that should be our objective.
0: So it seems as if with something in regards to like functional medicine, even traditional Chinese medicine, you're looking at the, the, the person as a whole human, as a dynamic, uh, dynamic movement of systems and how that actually presents itself um, to you as a practitioner. Um, that's amazing. I, one of the coolest things I, I, I've learned as a physical therapist, I mean, even just in science as well, is like when it comes to treating a client, we have to pretty much follow the scientific method because that's the the, the most standard way. And we can't make a decision on an intervention and action unless we get the necessary information. And looking at these clients as, as people, as humans, that it's not just going to be one specific lab test, but it's going to be taking everything into context to be able to say, how that actually uh, works um, with that. And one thing that you said earlier that really blew my mind um, and it actually was something that you said when we first met was you, you were taking this journey together and it seems as if you are encouraging clients to be their number one advocates in regards to what's going to be the best for them. Yeah.
1: Yeah. I really, I really have seen over you know, these years of practice and I, I'm sure you too, you know, as a veteran clinician have um, seen this to be true, is that, you know, our, our patients heal themselves. And it's, it's our job to be um, an advocate for them in that process and provide them tools and insights that they might not otherwise have. But I really think that, you know, a concept I believe really deeply in, and it it pervades my clinical treatment and suggestions for patients is this concept of interoception. Can can a patient look inward? Do they have tools for, even as it relates to sciatica, do they they have tools for understanding where their body resides in space, understanding how their body resides in relationship to the midline, to their core function, posturally, um, but also to their nervous system. Right, and that these tools like deep sleep rest protocols if that's meditation, if that's breath work, if that's self hypnosis that that these various tools that help a patient get more aware of themselves internally and in that inner healer capacity is. I tell my patients, you know, over time, if we're doing our work correctly, I will become obsolete to you because actually your well-being and your inner guidance of being able to listen closely to yourself um, is our goal. And, you know, helping to understand where those roadblocks might be, if it's in your nervous system, if it's, you know, and so forth, um, is part of the job that we do together. So I I really think that's, you know, again, that's the honor of being a clinician, is to have that intimate dialogue with our patients and learn from them and see them grow in terms of their capacity to listen most closely to their body's inner needs.
0: That's awesome. In essence, make it so that our clients don't no longer need us. That that's something that I've been telling my clients even when I was a, a new clinician because I realized I was with the guidance it seems so second nature to me but it is important for people to be aware of how they feel so i remember telling people i would say if i did my job correctly you would technically fire me and they would laugh Um, but i think it's a very important uh, thought because a lot of people will come to us say like x y and z hurts like how do you fix it and the big part of it is um, and, and I've reiterated with a lot of my patients in regards to pain and what we experience, it's, it's what we experience. Pain is an experience and the heightened awareness of how you feel is, is a very important aspect. I often um, discuss with my patients, like pain is an entirely normal response to a stimulus. It protects us, right? And the thing is, is the fact that our higher level brain processes allows us to override that type of signal. And that's actually one of the reasons why we could push human performance and push human innovation is because we can push past these cues that might have necessarily uh, proven to be somewhat threatening, but because we were able to overcome that cue, we were able to get a lot of things accomplished. But it's also very important to go back in and look internally and see what you're feeling because that is going to dictate uh, a lot of this Treatment of what we do as practitioners.
1: Yeah, yeah, I think that's absolutely right. That our patients having that inner assessment, even if it's, oh, my posture standing in line at the supermarket, well, if I'm always hiking my hip, you know, these patterns of movement obviously are profound, but also, even the patterns around our nervous system, you know, are, am I living constantly in this sympathetic dominance, this fight or flight, you know, we, in, in my practice, we talk about the rushing woman, right? You know, this is, you know, here we are, Marin County, moms rushing from here to there, and each of these things, and that the nervous system, you know, really, we know, just like in yoga, right? Asana work is built of shavasana. We need Interval training for our nervous system. It can't only reside in fight or flight, in that tiger chase. Um, And we know that a lot of times with injury, um, you know, the body, if it's not getting that proper rest, shavasana state, that parasympathetic dominant state, then the body won't be able to actually heal that injury. It's a it's a call from the body for attention. It's a hand up. And so, you know, I think that a lot of our work clinically is to notice help notice for patients who may be appropriately just in the myopia of that grind where they deserve interjections for their underlying deeper listening and you know that that is actually in in some ways at at base i think we've talked about this before but you know how acupuncture works is actually first in communicating with the nervous system so it's, it's flipping a switch from sympathetic dominance, this fight or flight nervous system where our body's engaged in running from this, you know, um, proverbial tiger into parasympathetic dominance. So that is our rest and restore or digest our nervous system that allows our body to heal. So, you know, a valid injury causing sciatica or postural or for a lot of my patients post pregnancy long term relaxin in the body and so forth that has changed and altered, you know, the pelvic floor dynamic, these various things that I can see driving for my patient population. In those cases, you know, the first thing with acupuncture that we do is we help the nervous system get into a state where it actually can do tissue repair. And that's essential. And a lot of times folks, if they just come with the fix me mentality, which one, we can't blame them right because this is very much the paradigm of conventional medicine it's like you show up at the doorstep of the doctor and expect that the person in the white coat will provide a probably pharmaceutical tool to take you on your way and there's never a bigger communication that goes on with the body this is the model that we've been reared in here conventionally however what we see over and again is that that patient then is never fully healed you know in unless the if the pharmaceutical you know painkiller tool is removed that that underlying body hasn't healed and so we we really want to look ideologically first at the nervous system when
0: there's pain and i think one interesting point that you brought up was the aspects of communicating with the nervous system um oftentimes that system itself gets overlooked because if you experience an actual pain let's talk sciatica sciatica with the pain going from the back reading down the back of your leg the first thing that we start thinking is well what types of structures are actually being irritated is it going to be my discs is it going to be my joints is it going to be tight muscles but what I often tell my patients is I often tell them the nervous system works throughout in the body. When it comes to the body as an organism, it's a operation of multiple systems together. And it's one thing that I find particularly useful and beneficial working with someone of your expertise in acupuncturists, because as a physical therapist, my concentration, my specialty is working with the orthopedic aspect of being able to help find the right positions or stretches any of the any of the interventions that will actually help facilitate healing but then there's also that other aspect which working with an acupuncturist yourself addressing the nervous system that might not necessarily be able to be addressed with the interventions say someone like myself so and i also think what's really cool and i would love for you to share with um the the audience about how you see things like in regards to an evaluation because when i see people when it comes to an evaluation the first thing i need to do is for sure i need to rule any sort of medical red flags to make sure that clients are not in an unsafe position or situation but then i go into my physical assessment where i'm seeing how people move Mm -hmm. um and then i provide my my intervention from there so um in addition to like yes the first step communicating with the nervous system what other things are you looking for when it comes to people who are experiencing chronic pain like sciatica
1: yeah that's such a good question and, and, it, and it also hits on you know the really important piece which is the optimal patient care is collaborative care and having someone like yourself that is reviewing and looking at the aspects of your expertise and able to provide patients that personalized lens um, that you do in, in creating their program and being able to work then together with other providers that mutually can attend to aspects so that we're all fulcrums on that system in terms of aiding them again into their inner healer capacity. Um, I think that's so huge, and I think that that's really, you know, I love about collaborative care also that we, um, that patients feel more fully held. So they feel like they, you know, so much of chronic pain, I find for patients, there's this element of stress that comes with being in pain and also feeling like they have to be their own clinicians, right? They have to orchestrate and compose so much of their care when they're already going through this experience that's challenging. And so I love also about collaborative care that we actually can provide a matrix for them that they can relax into and receive from. Um, But to your point, point around what aspects do we look at clinically in a Chinese medical practice evaluating a patient who may be experiencing sciatica, you know, in in traditional Chinese medicine, we we have some tools of evaluation that um, may sound fairly esoteric. Um, You know, one of them is pulse taking. In Chinese medicine, we're um, really intent on looking at the pulses, and and we take 12 separate pulses when we evaluate a patient. That may seem like a lot, but all of these pulses are at at the radial artery, they're at the wrist, and we feel them on both sides of the body. And what those pulses help to inform us around is that each of those 12 pulses is related to a different physiologic system in the body. So, you know, I'm sure you feel the same. For me, if a patient comes in, their chief complaint is sciatica, you know, I may have 10 patients whose chief complaint is sciatica, but when I review these diagnostic tools that are steeped in Chinese medicine, what I will see are also 10 different presentations, right, diagnostically. So for one, it may be in part, that I'm feeling this, this system related to the adrenals and there's deficiencies, that person's underproducing cortisol and we have a nervous system that may be hyperactivated and hyperinflamed by result of not having that natural anti-inflammatory that actually comes from an adaptive adrenal system. So that may be some of the things I'm feeling in the pulses. And so I go about approaching that. In other cases, you know, what we may see is what we call you know, blood stagnation in Chinese medicine, which is more related to, you know, an aspect of circulation, which is also related to liver metabolism, which, you know, first pass metabolism all happens at the liver. So the liver actually moves and circulates. It's one of the um, things that helps blood to be produced. And of course, we know the circulatory system moves blood. So in other cases, I may feel the sensation in the pulse of stuckness, stuck blood. And so my treatment in terms of my acupuncture treatment and my nutritional medicine treatment and my herbal treatment for those two patients with the same right-sided sciatica, you know, is going to be absolutely just dis- distinct from one another. Um, and so I mean in both cases I'm likely to prescribe a deep sleep rest protocol. And, and then that again is personalized. Is this a patient that meditation is a tool for? Is this maybe a hypervigilant nerve system patient who actually needs to have um, their nervous system more more supported and meditation brings them into a state of stress. They're not sure they're doing it right. Well, maybe that's a patient who's better for self hypnosis and we have great tools for that now. So I guess what I'm meaning to say and I'm, I'm sure this is similar to your various to the toolbox that you have is that each patient that I see with a conventional diagnosis of sciatica or back pain may have a whole different array of variables that are informing um, you know to me diagnostically and so the pulse is a factor for that i do look at the orthopedic potty but it's slightly different um, in terms of my evaluation i'm very interested in posture i find because i do treat a lot of women and often around their reproductive years that you know, we also have to think a lot about the pelvic floor um, and aspects that that may be a feature in terms of, you know, actually the way that the psoas is residing and um, these various connective um, muscular components that may contribute to um, asymmetry in the hips and then is a setup in part for sciatica. Um, I also think that You know, one of the things we see, there's just a lot of lifestyle things like women, you know, feel compelled to cross their legs all the time, right? We know leg crossing is really a setup too for asymmetry in the pelvis. And a lot of times I'll see that there's a huge reliance into the lateral legs so that women are not really conditioned at a midline level and centrally. And so if we lose um, core strength, can happen with pregnancy, can happen with modern life, Um, there's a lot of residing into the lateral leg. And if we have asymmetry, that's such a setup for sciatica. And so bringing an awareness back to the medial leg connection and those pieces and I'll talk to a patient a little bit about how those postural changes feel for them. Send them home with those practices and then have them come back and report. How did that feel to think about having a magnet between your medial legs, actually pulling your legs together? How, how did it feel to work with you know bridging with a block or a ball? to start to notice how they can consolidate and create Um, you know, orthopedically, um, a setup where there's symmetry in the pelvis and how informative that can be. So um, I know I went beyond the scope of your question, but that, that those are some thoughts I have clinically as I look at sciatica patients.
0: Well, that's amazing because it is important. It seems like the, the general theme is, 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 again, going back to your definition of the aspect of functional medicine is like looking at the human um, and, and identifying what is the best option for the human, but not necessarily the diagnosis. What I often find in the, from say, uh, westernized medicine is people get very fixated on the diagnosis. So then people start searching, what are the best ways to search for, uh, to fix sciatica and what's really tough is when we end up trying to focus on treating a specific diagnosis, we can have a tendency to actually pigeonhole ourselves. And we are end up having, I think you said it before, this myopia where you're just having this one dimensional lens on treating a specific person. But if we go back onto, from an orthopedic standpoint, when it comes to posture, behaviors, lifestyle, But then also the nervous system and lifestyle, Um, I I think that we can both agree that if you are highly stressed, um, you're going to be much more sensitive to pain because your body is at just the most elevated level of awareness. And one of the things that I thought was really cool when we started working together now, uh, for you listeners out there, I'm not in a current active state of pain. But one thing that I felt what was really great was I know exactly how I feel, but being able to go to a professional like Rachel or go into another professional, say like another physical therapist, is that they can see from a from a different perspective in regards to what you feel. And so being able to communicate with your practitioner, your professional, in regards to this is feeling better, this is feeling worse, what's going to be important is understand, uh, is. What's going to be important is being able to share that with your practitioner and then having your practitioner being able to provide a specific intervention based on how you feel and not just your diagnosis, because yeah. that can really limit us. And as a result, it, it results in increased pain medication use. And the majority of pain medications out there are anti-inflammatories. Um, they reduce the the firing of your nervous system, but they are not necessarily uh, fixing the healing process, which is what someone like Rachel can help with.
1: Yeah. Yeah. It's such a good point about, you know, these pharmaceutical tools. And obviously I think that, you know, for patients in pain, um, their Their need is really acute, and they need acute support and I think that sometimes pharmaceutical medicine seems like the best approach because um, they're, you know they have to there is such a vigilance on the part of their system when someone 's in chronic pain but i I do think that 's where nutritional medicine is also just just a profound frontier for patients because you know not only is there so much um research behind tools for, you know, inflammation, like we know very closely looking at omega-3s and EPAs specifically, and the way that that omega-3 receptors can turn down these pro-inflammatory proteins as prostaglandins, actually, you know, in a lot of ways operating very similarly to how NSAIDs or COX-2 inhibitors might work, which are very common medications that patients might use for pain, but actually optimizing things in other parts of our well-being. Omega-3 is obviously excellent for our lipid profile and our brains that are made of fat. Um, but I also think that there are there are really a lot of new therapies as well in looking in the nutritional side, outside of just inflammation, actually looking at systems of our pain response. You know, so things like, you know, the endo... Um, Um, cannabinoid system. And the way that we're learning about tools like PEA, I think I mentioned it to you, Ashley, a little bit ago, a tool that I've noticed for chronic pain patients when we One of the things that happens with chronic pain is, in some ways, our body's endorphin production system has started to shut down, and we we can work with things that are you know naturally occurring to help the body get more tools to reset up the infrastructure of the way that our body responds to these pain signals. Um, And so I think that you know, and I also similarly, you know, I'm such a big believer, and I know you are too, um, in food as medicine, and you know, there are many nutrients, but really, you know, I, every meal is an opportunity, right, for our greater well-being. And this is certainly true in regard to pain, too, that, you know, if it comes to antioxidant-rich foods and the way that we can use, you know, berries and all of, you know, really being mindful, alum So. Quercetin being an incredible antioxidant and you know, available in alum, so uh, the whole onion family and across the board. I mean, I think that, that that's part of the way that I work in clinic, as you know, is to provide nutritional and food-based remedies to really look at the patient, where, where might we help this system get back on track in terms of how it signals around, around pain that is actually giving it some nutrient intervention. Um, that can help rebuild the infrastructure of a system that is in a healing state. I mean, a whole nother component is sleep, right? I mean, sleep is an incredible tool, inherent tool um, for pain reduction. And so, when we see patients that aren't sleeping, you know, that's another incredible way of we can, we have an intervention point where we can help patients. Oh, okay, this patient isn't sleeping well. Well. They're not getting delta sleep. Without delta sleep, the the muscular system can't repair. So, how can we help this patient sleep without a pharmaceutical intervention? Um, and does that have you know much bigger, larger implications for their overall well being if they're missing sleep chronically over a duration of time? So, I feel like there's so many levers. Um, that we have. And that, and I also think personal personalized medicine gives us such an opportunity to le- look at each person and which of those levers are optimized and which may be off kilter, because then we can really, again, put the patient back into that introspection is, is it, so they can look inwards and go, oh, my sleep was awful my pain is more activated huh maybe i need to get more morning light exposure so that my circadian rhythm's in play and you know so i want patients to feel like they you know it's socrates right know thyself right and i think that that's um i think it's such a it's an ancient concept and i think we've gotten a little away from that really central truth that the more we know ourselves the more we can, you know, modify and respond to what comes up. I mean, pain is a sensation. It's a human sensation. It's not inherently pathological. It's it's a message from the body. So a lot of times I see when patients come to my office with pain that in some ways I feel like it's the body asking to be put back on its path, you know, and so that's a very useful signal to us. Not that I want patients to be in pain, but it may be the wake-up call that brings them out of a certain myopia. And that's a good thing, you
0: know? That's a great thing. And one thing that I often tell my patients is, um, like I'll say, pain is an experience. Pain is, uh, it's a request to change things up. It's telling you that we need to be doing something different. And I think what's interesting is uh, going back to what makes us human is that we can really override those cues to the point where things start to become even more challenging and even more painful. What I love about, I mean, there's many things that I love about uh, being a client of yours, but one thing that really blows my mind was when it came to any sort of intervention or even something, say, just from a supplement standpoint, you provided the scientific research behind it too, which I think is really great. And I think it's hard because Um, Well, one, pain is for sure, it's a very unique experience, but also it does share a lot of similar qualities with other dysfunctional bits in the system. So being able to provide a lot of your, being able to provide your interventions with research makes it even stronger and it helps really for sure build even more trust And this is actually something I've been telling my clients, if you're ever presented with something and you're not really quite sure on the true effectiveness of it, I often tell people you can go on to search engine, Google, and you type in whatever intervention, whatever tool, and then you add uh, the letters NCBI, which I'm not 100% sure what the radiation means, but I know that you find the scientific research for that specific intervention, and it's very eye-opening. And then just read the abstract so you don't have to waste your time reading the full article.
1: Yes, that's such a good point. And you're so right in in helping patients get access to the research data. And yeah, and CBI, it's taking them to PubMed, right? It's like looking at the, And, you know, and there's another tool too, when patients are considering nutrients, there's a great tool called examine.com, which is a place where, um, you know, patients can look at nutrients or um, various remedies herbal remedies and so forth and go to examine and, and it's all human-based studies so you know a lot of the research across the boards will be on animal studies too so you know I do a lot of fertility so patients will often send me should I take this nutrient and you know there's a couple uh, nutrients coming up right now well they've only been tested on mice you know and and so you we really should be um, when we bring things in as tools they, they really should be vetted in a human system and so forth. And so I like examine.com because it's, it is a tool too, where it gives you access again to all of the current research um, on a remedy. And um, I agree, you know, I think that one of the things, you know, since coming, getting out of grad school and as, a, as an acupuncturist and obviously having a broad swath of interest in clinical care, but, you know, in part specializing in this fairly esoteric medicine, Um, is I I have found that one of the central parts of my job actually is translating these esoteric arts. um, If it's, you know, traditional Chinese medicine, or I also love Ayurvedic medicine and find them very potent and powerful medicine, but translating it. To a Western mind and a Western semantic. And I think that science and really exciting time right now in neurochemistry and, um, and biology, in terms of finally, NIH is funding quite a lot of studies around um, herbal remedies and other sorts of interventions, PRP, the whole broad swath of things. And, and I'm so grateful because I think that um, obviously I'm a big believer in complementary medicine, but you know, believer, you know. We science is part of belief. and um and having our you know findings actually, you know, quantified, and being able to help a Western patient um, have more sense of being able to actually receive care is partially related to their sense of um, being held with something that is evidence-based. And so I, I've been so grateful in this evolution of um, science being able to really be a resource to our patients and that our patients finger tricks um, in these various tools so that they can really see where our recommendations are coming from. I, I always want my patients to understand the mechanism of things that I recommend. Um, I think one, you know that's essential for them understanding how it might work and why I might recommend it. And and I also think, again, it's that piece of putting them back into their inner healer. You know, I'm not just there in a white coat saying, use this, it'll work. You know, it's really, here's how we think this will work. And here's a way that we can evaluate together whether this is working for you. Here's what I might expect would happen for you when you take this. Here's what we're trying to impact. And here's the science that suggests that this impact could be X. And so let's review that together, let's be detectives together. And I think that puts the patient in such a more empowered place in terms of their well-being and the process they move through as they heal. So um, I'm really grateful for these tools that provide more of the research in the hands of the patient in terms of what they can receive and do with their nutrient and remedy care um, outside of, you know our clinical interactions.
0: So with giving these tools to your patients, your clients, you're, you're in essence giving them the power and showing them that they have the power to heal. Oftentimes when you're experiencing pain or you're experiencing some sort of issue, the reason why the people come to us is because they feel powerless. It's hard. It's hard to do this all on, all on their own. And the, the reality is, listeners, is that when you are dealing with chronic pain, or just pain in general, you, you don't have to ride this journey by yourself. Uh, one thing that I've learned uh, from the pandemic was that we need other humans. It, you can't be in this fight by yourself and when it comes to practitioners such as Rachel and myself, we give you the power to facilitate your healing and your happiness and that is going to be a very important part to your recovery. Now Rachel, we've talked about a lot of really amazing stuff Thank you so much for sharing your expertise and, and how you see the body. Uh, I think one of the most important, uh, one of the, what, there's many important things, but I think one very big challenging thing is the fact that there is so much information that is out there and people who are listening now, they're like, okay, great. I got a lot of this information. What do I do now? So if there was one specific action step that you think could be really beneficial to the listeners who are experiencing pain, what is that one action step?
1: hmm Yeah, I know. You're so right. There are, it can be overwhelming for patients, the number of possible interventions. And I think that's, it's so true. I tell patients often that, you know, healing is like unpeeling an onion, right? We want to thoughtfully take off each layer and learn how that worked and then move on to the next layer. Because a lot of times one of the aspects of being in pain is that patients are also overwhelmed. And you know that's a physiologic response. That's that's the result of that chronic vigilance on the part of the nervous system. So you add one more thing, it feels like it's the, the drop that pushed it over. So I do think being discerning and, and simplifying as a patient starts to heal also puts them into a place where it's they can actually assimilate that care. Instead of being paralyzed or sort of frozen by it because there's so many things coming at them. Um, And you know, I I really do think that um, for me, it it does come back to that central adage of know thyself. And so, you know, I think in, in my view that the first place to start is the nervous system to be able to actually feel what it's like to reside in a body that isn't in fight or flight. And so, you know, and I think that that's, it, those are the kinds of tools that patients can work with at home, even outside of the care of a clinician, and can have real dividends in terms of their, the amount of pain that they're sensing, and help and improve their sleep so their pain improves. And so to me, that would look like you know there are these tremendous number of apps these days for guided meditation you know i think headspace calm insight timer um they're they're all excellent and what i like about it too is that a patient can listen whose voice do you like who speaks to you who makes you feel at peace in terms of those various tools or um there's also a really great tool um reverie.com which was out of stanford it's um it's a self-hypnosis tool and i also like it quite a bit sometimes it can be even better for patients who tell me that in their efforts to meditate they feel stressed Um, you know the attention to their breath or otherwise is stressful for them Um, they're so activated which is you know normal and common so i think self-hypnosis for them it's the same about the same duration of time those scripts are about 10 minutes Um, that's another great tool as well and lastly i mean we know you know breath work breath communicates directly with the autonomic nervous system. It's one of the most simple and effective ways that we can interface with our nervous system and affect that same sort of switch that we're aiming for with acupuncture from fight or flight. Back to parasympathetic dominance, where the body's in its healing state. You know, there's some excellent resources, breath work. You know, obviously, Wim Hoff's work is out there, that's very interesting. Um, I think, you know, you know um, there's this book, Breath, that came out last year, um, and talking a lot about nasal breathing, the importance of how that communicates differently. You know, I often will prescribe alternate nasal breathing, a practice from yoga, but it harmonizes these two aspects, both of the nervous system um and so i guess i'm still giving a broad number of tools but the point is it's all in this arena of this non-sleep rest protocols um that help the nervous system get out of that fight or flight so patients kind of get into that first layer where they can assimilate more in terms of the tools that can come in. So that that would be my suggestion as a place to start. And of course, I'm just as we've talked about a huge proponent of this collaborative care for patients receiving um, the insight and the support of providers so that they together can help you more deeply listen to yourself. Um, and that is a really exciting um, place where patients can kind of lay down their sword for a bit, but also still be moving forward in terms of their well-being.
0: I am all about food. So when you talk about onions, I got very excited because onions are one of my favorite food, but then being able to say, onions, they have layers. And it's ultimately you, the listener, the person who is experiencing pain, you're going to be the biggest advocate and being able to identify what works and what doesn't. So being able to communicate with your practitioner, and also even looking within yourself. It's so easy for us to bypass all those cues when you're Uh, taking care of your children when you're getting stressed out from work. It's so easy for us to overlook all those cues that we're experiencing at the time. So being able to take a moment and listen and figure out what you're feeling is going to be really crucial. And I love the fact breathing. Breathing is something that we do pretty much if we don't breathe, you die. But also there's a lot of dysfunctional breathing out there. So please take a big breath, enjoy it. Being able to breathe is going to be huge. And don't be afraid to ask for help. Um, There's many, uh, there's there's practitioners like myself, Rachel, who have the knowledge to help you. And it's going to be important that we're in this together. So Rachel thank you so much for being on today's episode. I've learned a lot and I'm excited for the listeners to learn a lot as well. If someone were to get in touch with you and want to just know more about yourself or how they can start working with you, what's the best way for them to contact you?
1: Yeah thanks so much Ashley and thanks for your curiosity. I love it. It's such a joy in clinic. It's such a joy in this conversation. I think that um, your patients are really fortunate that they get to interface with someone that's um, that curious and willing and wanting to learn and grow. So lucky them and me. Um, So uh, patients that are interested in learning more about um, my clinic um, can take a look at the website. Um, The clinic is called Ginkgo Integrative and that's the website too, Ginkgo, G-I-N-G-K-O Integrative dot com. Um, and they can learn a little bit more about the background and so forth. So that's a great place. And um, thanks so much for the conversation. It's, it's exciting. And it, and it just gets me thinking more about um, the great luck patients have in being able to um, drop into more of your interviews and insights here for their own self-care. So it's awesome.
0: Awesome. Well, thank you so much, Rachel. I am going to see you at our next session.
1: Okay, take care Ashley.
0: Okay. Bye. Thank you so much for tuning in. We hope you got some help from today's podcast. And for more info, check us out at ifixyoursciatica.com. Have a fantastic and pain-free day. No patient therapist relationship is formed by listening to this podcast. We are not providing medical advice, and all information should be confirmed by a medical provider. Without the ones like you, who work tirelessly to keep things running, everything would suddenly stop. Hospitals, factories, schools, and power plants, they all depend on you. No matter the weather, emergency, or time of day, you're the ones who get it done. At Granger, we're here for you with professional-grade industrial supplies. Count on real-time product availability and fast delivery.